Welcome to episode 64 of the Contra Fabulous podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. And uh, we're both home in Hermosa Beach. Uh, you're doing, got some traveling coming up, but I don't have any travel till we move, which reminds me, I should probably start thinking about that. Yeah, you've kind of refused to go anywhere until we move to New York. That's fine. Um, I'm going to head to San Francisco for a day and then over to Boulder for a day um, next week. But, yeah. So wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if instead of flying, I'm assuming you're flying to San Francisco and flying to Boulder or to Denver. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing if you could take the Hyperloop? Yeah, that would be dreamy. I would, uh, and to add to the list, um, you know, I was contemplating trips to Portland as well as Seattle uh, this week, which led to me really being frustrated that there's not a Hyperloop and, and magical technology like this. So um, are you able to explain what Hyperloop is? Well, I mean, the closest thing that I have in my head is is those those old pneumatic tubes that, you know, in the office, perfect office workplace of the 50s and 40s that you, you know, and we'd see them in the bank, you know, you drive up to the drive, the teller in the, um, drive up to the teller and, and there's the tubes, you put your checks in them and you, and you put it back in the little thing, you hit go and it goes whoosh and it goes over and drops down to the teller. And, um, so that it would be that, but instead of putting your checks in there, you'd drive up to the teller, you would climb in and it would shoot you up to Seattle or Portland or wherever. That's the best I got in my head. <laughs> Close it. I mean, I think that that's, uh, this seems, it seems as good a description as any, since in some ways this is sort of, um, I think this was in some ways the, um, uh, one of the, one of the, the reasons that someone created the. Uh, bored Elon Musk Twitter parody Twitter account of like Elon Musk coming up with ideas because this was something um, that he he's proposed um, at, although he said that um, he initially said that he had no plan no plans to to pursue this he's he's too busy um, with Tesla and SpaceX um, but this is this idea of a different form of transportation, I guess, one that um, one that would be uh, cheaper, faster, more environmentally sound, better all around, right? Than than our current uh, than our current transportation systems, right? I mean, that's kind of the promise. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, like my problem really isn't with the technology. It's like you know, invest people doing startups in, in hyperloops and, and, uh, you know, self-driving cars and, you know, I don't care, jetpacks, it can be anything. Um, my, my kind of rant this week and I, I wrote up a big long rant, but I never published it and I probably won't. Um, but I did fight with some people on the internet for a little while, which was also equally unproductive, but, um, really just being frustrated that I can't get to San Francisco Portland, Seattle, and Denver all in one week without like totally killing myself and being super exhausted. Like I can't just get on the train. You know, I have to fly, which because of TSA has this two hour buffer at either end, um, which is pretty inconvenient when it's like an hour flight to San Francisco or a two hour flight to Portland or three hour to, to, to Seattle. 
it's still it, it tacks on and it's it's exhausting. So it's, why it's can't a I get on a train? Like it's, I mean, and, and that's what's so amazing is that we have this technology that should make that makes transportation faster, but um, but yeah, it, it's it's yeah. Well, my, and my frustration is that that we spent our time talking about you know I don't know exactly what the story was this week, but I think it was you know the hyperloop and in, in, out in the desert went. You know, an extra hundred feet, an extra so many second feet per second. I really don't, you know, actually give a sh- uh, uh, care. And um, and but then the other one, I think it was Elon Musk saying, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get back into it because no one else can do it right. I'm, I, you know, I'm Tony Stark. I got to do it." So I, you know, I really don't care about the technology. Let them have fun. What, what the problem is is the obsession over it with in tech blogosphere and tech land. But then just the lack of interest in actually doing anything that would actually make my life easier in traveling on the West Coast. And people would argue with me, go, well, the Hyperloop's going to be cheaper than trains. I'm like, so why are trains so expensive? Is it because the technology is just a dead end? It's, you know, because I think there's some like faster train technology. And, you know, why why is it so expensive? Why can't I just uh, get expensive, on Expensive, unreliable, slow, delayed. Yeah. Well, and maybe we should catch people up on some of our amazing journeys on trains, you know, getting on and and it being, you know, um, 24 hours more than you anticipated getting to where you're going, um, getting on and there being the whole trains full of uh, a church um, singing things like this that as well as it take you know being totally unpredictable i mean this is some of this is um by virtue of being on the west coast as opposed to the east coast i will say that train service is marginally better on actually it's significantly better on the east coast than it is on the west coast um i i mean yeah there were times when when i lived in oregon i remember was i was going to put my son on a train from eugene up to portland and the train was running 14 hours late. Um, if you're familiar with that drive, it's about 100 miles. So, I mean, I could have, like, driven back and forth to Portland, like, <laughs> uh, you know, seven times, right? Bef- or, or taken seven, seven trips for the, for the delay, the delay on, of the train. So Amtrak on the West Coast is, is bad. Well, and in my experience, the further east you go, the better the trains get. You go to the east coast of the U.S., the trains are somewhat more functional. You go to U.K., they're even more. You go to Europe, they're even more so. And, I mean, that doesn't hold true as you keep going. But um, it's possible, you know. I mean, well, you get to Japan, and there are high-speed trains. So why can't we have high-speed trains in the U.S.? And I just would like to see more And what you're saying is that's not a technological issue, right? Yeah, it's not, and it's not a, a moonshot issue. It's not, well, actually, maybe it is. Maybe we, we need all hands on deck and kind of everyone going, hey, wait, stop, cars aren't working, our current train system favors freight over over people. How do we change this? And everyone can get to work on it, work on it together as a state, you know, all states and federal government. But um, I don't know what that looks like. It just doesn't look like us you know, drooling over, you know, some some fantasy of Elon Musk and when he woke up, you know, and the ambient didn't wear off, you know, soon enough or, you know, just people watching 
startups trying to waste money doing what he dreams about. You know, why can't we actually work on actual legislation? What does it take to get right of ways in California? What does he get to, you know, change up how freight and how people are, are, are moved around on the existing tracks? How do we innovate in these existing areas, I guess is my argument. So for me, I mean, I think that I, I think that the technology, I mean, you know, I, I'm not I'm not that up to speed on Hyperloop technology. Fortunately, no one has talked about the Hyperloop for education yet, but certainly someone is probably um, thinking about such, such a thing. Um, but I think that the technology, I mean, I think that the technology is important, and I think that this actually echoes, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but this echoes his procl- uh, Musk's proclamations about getting people to Mars, right? So he has these ideas that sound really amazing on paper, but when you actually talk about the technological implications, it's just not a fully baked idea, right? So there, like, I think that there are lots of questions about how unpleasant, let's just say, how unpleasant it would be to be shot in a vacuum tube between locations. I love the train. I find riding the train, um, I should say in general, I find riding trains to be really relaxing. Um, I, I find it more, for some reason, I find it more relaxing than flying, even though, um, you know, I, 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 I can get work done. Um, I like looking out the window. Um, I like trains. I don't know what I think about the, I mean, it's, yeah, I think that there are a lot of technological, technical considerations about what the, it's going to do to the human body um, in terms of the, exper- the experience um, to, to, to have this vacuum, vacuum tube-based transportation. So it doesn't seem to me, it, it, you know, we can talk about, like, is this technologically possible? And then is this, is this a good idea for people? Right. But then I think that there are these other things and, you know, this is one of the problems. So there's, you know, the, the ideas aren't fully baked in terms of the in terms of the science, but then they're definitely not fully baked in terms of the political and social, social, social and economic um, considerations that come with any kind of trans with with <laughs> any kind of transportation or you know infrastructure right so where do you put the hyperloop yeah right like and so so you know like it's because the the you know for 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 flight you know we have constructed a whole set of other supporting technologies and and systems and institutions for managing airplanes so they don't hit one another but the sky by you know by and large with the exception of of birds and uh, you know uh, um, a few you know um, planes and a few other sort of I guess man-made objects are is empty whereas Hyperloop is going on the ground or perhaps underground and it's decidedly not empty and so where you know where does this where does this where do you put it Right, and if you're building new a new form of a new transportation system, um, you're going to have to, I think, you know, declare eminent domain. Or, I, I mean, I imagine if is this a government funded? I mean, is this a government funded thing? I don't know. I don't know how 
it would work, right? So the if the state of California wants to build a new highway, right, they can, they can get you, they take your property. But if a private company wants to build a vacuum tube transportation system, I don't understand, like that's a private entity. So what does that, they have no, they, you know, they can't take your, take your, seize your land the way in which, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it just seems to me, it seems to be technologically whatever. I mean, I don't doubt that we can shoot items at high speeds through a vacuum tube. That to me does not seem like a technological challenge. Shooting people in a way that is not nauseating and not actually like that is safe um, seems to be a struggle. And then, the, and then having this, having I mean, I don't understand how it would be underground, right? Like, there are actually things underground, too, right? So there's, you know, water mains and, and, and whatnot. And then underground, if you think about California, it's really unstable. Like, what, what about earthquakes? Like, it just seemed, to me, it just seems like there are a lot of, a lot of really, I don't know. It just, it just feels like, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a lazy dude's way of kind of dreaming about the future and not actually getting anything done. Sure, I'm not trying to knock people for dreaming about the future and having imaginations or even being lazy for that for that matter. But I want to get to Portland and be able to work and come home on a high-speed train on existing tracks. And, and if people need, you know, pointers of where they can... But if that's um, a political battle, right? If that's not a... If that's a, if that's a political battle... These particular entrepreneurs, right, entrepreneurs slash technologists are not interested in that. That's not where they, that's not where they get their, that's not, you don't get a, you know, you don't get your name in Business Insider or Bloomberg for negotiating better train deals. You get it for coming up with these really sort of, um, I don't know, sort of very grandiose claims about about the future. Well, that's, I mean, I got data sets they can work on. You, know, you can go to the freight analysis framework, and there's all the data on, on freight that's moved around, and you can get the, the people data. There's lots of big problems here to be solved. You can work on, you know, legislation, looking at, you know, county by county, state by state, you can look at right of ways, you can, you know, look, there's a lot of work to be done. And, and rather than being lazy and just being dreamy, and, and what's even worse for me is not only are they being lazy and kind of dreamy and, and falling in line with this way of thought, they're, they tend to be pretty aggressive when you talk about actually doing work about it online and saying, oh, don't, you know, why you got to, you know, bash on the technology? I'm like, not nah, just like, quit taking up all of the, the bandwidth and talking about this and showcasing this is amazing. When the bar is actually pretty low, and there's all this other work over here that we could be doing. Well, I mean, but that other work is really, like I said, that other work is difficult, and it's politically fraught, and there aren't this imagined billion-dollar payoffs, and there aren't payoffs, you know, in, in fame either. And so I think that it's it's really exciting to talk about to talk about these these technology um imaginations imaginings without and not actually work on perhaps the the difficult problems and i mean and i would say that you know in some ways 
Musk is doing some of that with the electric vehicle and with, um, you know, with, with, um, with some of the SpaceX technology. To me, the Hyperloop one just doesn't feel to be um, as, as, as completely baked. One of the, when you said that you got on a fight on the um, internet, one of the comments that you told me about was that somebody described this as a moonshot the Hyperloop as a moonshot, which is, I think, an interesting a way in which that, um, that phrase has been co-opted by technologists to talk about projects that are, in a lots of ways, almost the antithesis of, a, of, of the moonshot. Well, there's, I mean, the way that these, I don't know, you know, programming world namespaces that you can create, these little worlds that you can create, that are afforded through technology because, um, because we're just I don't know we're the way we think as engineers because we're mostly dudes um, because of the libertarian kind of bent of a lot of companies and kind of ideology behind the money behind these companies that allows them to create these these fantasy worlds where you know not much you know we think fake news and like what's going on with democracy but you know when it comes to you know, developing platforms and the value of data and what's important and what are the priorities, you know, um, of a company. I think very much people are living in bubbles and, and pretty much spoon-fed a certain type of information and that's all they get access to and that's how they see the world. So, you know, transportation and getting all sci-fi and hyperloopy with transportation is, is where you go because transportation is probably not that big of an issue for you except for maybe being stuck in traffic occasionally you're not like someone without a car or a city commuter or you know you probably live in a bubble to begin with well the other i mean the other piece of this story of course was musk tweeted i think it was last week maybe it was the week before he tweeted that he had gotten a verbal okay from i think verbal verbal okay from officials city officials in was it in the somewhere in the eastern corridor, maybe it was like New York and DC, um, in order to be able to start working on this hyperloop stuff there. And again, like it really to me, it sort of it reveals, um, I guess to put it nicely, sort of like this naivete of of someone like Elon Musk who thinks that like that's how stuff gets done is you get a verbal you get a verbal approval, you get a verbal approval. I mean, and I loved it that like the people from the city of New York were like, yeah, no, uh, not from us. You didn't get a verbal approval, but it's, it's weird to sort of have such a complete and utter lack of understanding about how these, how the, how the political and social and institutional practices of these sectors that you're so interested in quote, disrupting, to not even understand how they operate and to sort of charge forward with, um, you know, with, again, with these, with these, with these proclamations. And, um, I mean, and this is why the moonshot thing to me is such a, such a weird, like, adopting moonshot to talk about these technologies um, when the kinds of, like, it just, um it just doesn't seem comparable at all to the efforts made to get a, a man on the moon before the Soviets did. Well, you know, that's 
kind of the majority part of my problem is that we're spending so much time focusing on these the thoughts of these people who are pretty rich and and powerful and actually doing some interesting things some of them as you said but the fact that we we kind of dedicate this lion's share to these people who really because of you know libertarian bands and other things they really and living in these bubbles these kind of made up virtual namespaces that they really think they don't understand these domains they can kind of circumvent it go around the side get past it and they're smart they'll they'll figure it all out and it'll all work itself out not acknowledging you know that transportation is very very difficult healthcare education all these areas government running a government who knew healthcare was 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 hard to do and that they can just you know zuckerberg just like oh you know we can get around all of this and these you know because they're so kind of confident in what they're doing it really kind of potentially makes it dangerous when you start thinking about this at at a democracy level at at you know what what these bubbles can create and we saw you know in the last couple of days kind of you know another kind of side effect of these these bubbles when they're created and the software they're creating is can be pretty dangerous and pretty um blind as far as what the greater part of society is going to need and we saw at a google this week a manifesto emerge that really you know kind of shows the core of not just google i think but I've, we've seen it over and over the core of the entire tech community and how they're just kind of blind to what what the majority of the world is actually needing and and who's out there and what actually innovation look should look like but yet they they control such a a large portion of the conversation so i i hardly know where to begin on this um google employees um screed <laughs> uh, uh written by a male engineer um who by it doesn't sound as though is like an executive at Google but circulated this among Google engineer the engineering team at Google and it became i think uh motherboard broke the story i guess last night about it um talking about how it had gone viral um gone viral at the organization with people sharing it and it's um it's flawed on multiple levels right so the arguments are that diversity initiatives at google are making the company worse um and that um that the 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 men are biologically better at computer programming and that that the the way in which computer programming should be should not should be should not people should not be asked to do pair programming or cooperate with other programmers or um design with empathy in um in mind that those are all sort of feminine uh, qualities that are detrimental to the kinds of things that Google is able to engineer um and th- thirdly that i mean well i mean there's just there's just so many i the the that this that this is a that this individual felt compelled to the to compelled to share what this um that felt that felt that they could sort of get away with with sharing this um but that their argument was that really the kind of diversity that um 
that matters is diversity of thought, ideological diversity, and that the people at Google who were quote-unquote conservative or who were white or male were being, were, were becoming chased out and not able to express themselves freely because of these diversity issues. There, the the ability for this type of 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 our society to be able to turn it around like that, you know, when they, you know, they're all about exclusion, keeping people down, keeping people away, creating these bubbles that allow for this type of behavior to to just grow and spread. That they immediately turn it, and that, that you know, it's it's about them. I mean, we've seen that in this election, you know, with all of Trump supporters, and it's just fascinating to me. And and that I mean, it's not a secret that this exists in in bro tech company culture. It's, it's pervasive. I mean, it. look at the like the last month, and may and I mean, it extends back much longer. But the last month, think of all the stories that have come out about Uber, about investors being. Um, sexually harassing people. I mean, this is this is pervasive. It, it runs through the culture of the technology industry, and it runs through the culture of Google. Like as much as people want, I've seen a bunch of um, you know these Google branded educators who were defending Google, saying, "Oh, this is just one one person. Um, Google's not responsible for this." Like Google absolutely is responsible for their company culture and the fact that you know Google isn't a brand new comp- Google is 20 years old. Google has been around for 20 years and their diversity sucks, right? Like women comprise less than 20% of Google's engineers. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. And like when you work in an env- like I mean you know, and, and and I think that their you know that their diversity demographics are even worse when it comes to looking for um, black and Latino um, men or women in in these um, in these in the engineering team. It's overwhelmingly white, strongly Asian, and very 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 few. And Google says that it's trying, but that's bullshit. Yeah, I mean these are just, you know, flare-ups, you know, of a condi- of a greater condition, and you know the diversity is the problem. I mean, this is why. I mean, the lack of people at the table going, "Hey, this is a good idea" or "This is not a good idea" is not balanced. So a lot of bad ideas not only get out the door, but actually grow and evolve and fester and become part of the core. I mean, we've seen this, like you said, Uber, Google, GitHub, you know, Reddit you know, both internally and externally as far as what what these environments kind of foster and breed. And I just I'm blown away that anybody can be, you know, in denial that this this is being is what's being baked into the algorithms that are deciding what goes on our Twitter wall, what goes on our Facebook wall, whether you get a ride at two AM or not in Uber, whether you get a job or not, you know, um doing incremental, you know, uh sharing economy work. All of these things are being baked into the decision decisions and the rules um, that, that, that govern this software. Uh, I mean, I think for me, the, the, the notion that, I mean, and I think it feeds into um, larger themes at play right now in this moment in American politics, 
this idea that if that um, you know this week we saw the Justice Department um, say that they were going to start investigating uh, colleges and universities for discriminating against white college students, right? When overwhelmingly at elite schools, the um, the the student population is overwhelmingly white, right? That the the this idea that somehow um, folks who are in a position of power, who have structural ad structural advantages to them, uh, to that because of their race, because of their gender, feel so put upon, so under threat, right? That this would that this is that this is their their response, right? So I mean I don't like this you know this Google engineers manifesto that he could say that somehow. The, the Google is falling apart because of the, the push for diversity at Google when, when Google has less than 20% female engineers. I mean, look, like, if he looks around, like, you know, the vast majority of engineers at Google are men. Men's position is not in trouble at Google, right? If you look around most Ivy League colleges, the vast majority of the students who are there are white. White peoples are not, you know, they are not sort of losing out on, on, on this. It's, it's sort of, but it's this feeling of being, that somehow a world that is that actually is cares more about advancing, um, you know, advancing opportunities for white women and people of color is such a threat. Is such a threat, and I think it's a threat because these guys are mediocre, right? They're talking about how having women around lowers the bar. You know what lowers the bar? Having a bunch of white dudes. Like white dudes are so mediocre. Like every woman at Google, every person of color at Google is probably so much more exceptional because of what they have had to overcome to be able to get into that position. And a lot of dudes are just really not that amazing. Well, and we see it play out in tech company after tech company in, in terms of safety over of the overall platform like how feel do you say feel how safe do you feel on twitter versus reddit versus facebook you know just in 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 that the platform's got your back as an individual as as a woman as a man and that these tools are what's what's being born out of these environments these these white dude enriched environments and you pointed out you know an aspect or a characteristic of this type of tooling that isn't a problem just like many of the other safety trolling aspects of Twitter and Facebook to these dudes, they don't consider it a problem because it's not a problem to them, is that someone can come to Facebook, come to Twitter, and target black people or anybody of, of color or a certain race or ethnicity with exclude them or include them in some sort of like, you know, uh, listing of homes, listing of products, listing of services, and that this is a good thing. This is fine. This is not this is a non-problem because of, you know, how platforms work, the the advertising incentive model, and that there's a bunch of dudes creating this, you know, and they don't feel there's any need to police this or or provide any sort of observability and transparency into who's buying these. You know, let let researchers study who's who's buying what and selling, you know, what in different neighborhoods or regions. 
they they're just they have no interest in doing that, and this is why. Well, I mean, and I think that this is the this is a really good point. I mean, and I think that if you think about the, um, in terms of you know, in terms of race, right, um, and in terms of um, opportunities, um, equal opportunities um, around race and gender, um, you know, if you think about like the the things that were enshrined in the Civil Rights Act in order to legislate. Right, in order to so make sure that that the kind of historical discrimination that had happened across industries was now illegal, right? That stuff is being bypassed by those rules, those laws are being bypassed, undermined by technology. And I don't I mean, and it's not it's not that, you know, it's not that the Founders of Airbnb are saying, ha, 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 we are really going to, you know, we're going to make sure to, like, um, you know, screw of, screw over black people on our platform. But they haven't thought about it, right? They haven't had to think about it because they're surrounded with whiteness and they're surrounded with maleness because that's the shape, that's the shape of the, of the industry. And they also, the industry also carries with it this real disdain for, for regulations. And so the kinds of regulations that say, you know, you can't actually, you know, you can't turn someone away from a hotel room because of the color of their skin, right? Because of their national origin. Airbnb has done that, or Airbnb has created a platform in which people do that consistently. Consistently, well, right? And so, even though there are laws in place that say that's illegal, that kind of discrimination is legal in housing and it's legal in services, that because of their because of their interest in quote disrupting and disruption, um, they are reinscribing things that you know that we had for better or for worse, and and certainly not perfectly, but we had I think taken steps towards towards addressing. And so I think that the, you know, the, the, the technology industry really has not owned up to how detrimental it has been in terms of civil rights. And my fear is was particularly when you see pushbacks like from this, from this Googler, Googler, my fear is that this is going to get a lot worse because this is absolutely a group of people who are building key, like you say, key algorithms, key pieces of software that are going to govern a lot of decisions in our lives. And they've got one, you know, one, one window open on their computer, you know, working, working in a text editor, and the other one open with 4chan. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty scary glimpse of the future that these people are creating most of the platforms we're depending on, and, and they don't, you know, it's what scares me is not what they're necessarily building. It's what they're not seeing and not building for and that they think that that's sure. If you ignore all, you know, people with disabilities and you ignore people of color and you focus on just this one problem set, that's an amazing opportunity. I'm super smart for seeing it, but you're not held to any standard for everything you just pushed aside and didn't deliver to. That would have made your idea a totally horrible, bad idea and something you shouldn't do. But because you're blind to it all, now it becomes an opportunity. Or secondarily, now that you did it, you can you know exploit all those people that you left aside, and that becomes an even bigger opportunity. And it's just you know it, it it's just sad to see. It scares me. 
And I think it's, I mean, I think it's so, it's so, it's always, it's always really depressing. I think, I know I say this as a, as a white woman in tech, right? It's always, I think, just incredibly depressing and upsetting to know that your colleagues, right, that your colleagues are harboring this sort of ill will towards your very existence in the field um, because, because you're a woman, right, um, and, and harbor this ill will to you, um, you know, um, for other people uh, because, um, because they feel as though your presence is somehow undermining their position as the alpha male. And it really is portrayed in these sorts of crude, really crude, evolutionary psychology, phony biological arguments about the superiority of, um, of, of their subject position in ways that, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not good. Well, yeah, I don't got much more to add beyond that. Yeah, well, um, one of these weeks we're going to have a podcast full of fun and exciting news, I'm sure. Well, hey, we're, uh, I hear we're moving to New York in a couple weeks. Maybe it'll be then. Yeah. All right. Talk to you, talk to you later. I'm like hanging up the phone. All right. Till next week. Till next week.